Hello and welcome to Rewind Reviews. I'm quite excited, Chris. We're back. So, We're back. So, we never. I did. I was thinking this earlier. I was thinking like because uh, I was thinking, you know, oh, I wonder whether someone that's just a big Final Destination fan might listen to this. And I started thinking about people listening to Rewind Reviews just because they're a fan of the movie. Mm. And I thought, do we ever clarify what we what the podcast is for new listeners? And I don't think we ever do. Like, I, I don't get me wrong. I don't think anyone's tuning into last week's just to hear about Joe's apartment. Well, so you know what? It's it's, you wouldn't believe the coincidence, Chris. And thank you for reminding me because I'd forgotten about this. Two days after we recorded that, so for listeners, we're we're back in February. <laughs> well, this is, you know, you're hearing this, you know, March onwards, end of March through like April and stuff. But we're in, we're recording this in February, early February. And uh, after we recorded it, I, I I was just looking at Reddit, and on the like R slash movies page, someone was like, "Joe's apartment, an underrated classic?" Question mark. I went, "Holy shit, you're kidding me!" I've not heard anyone mention a reference to this movie in years. Other than the stuff I suck out for that podcast. So I clicked on it because there were like 12 to 13 comments. And it was mostly people going, no. <laughs> to, his, to his question of an underrated classic. It, a couple it of definitely people, isn't. A couple of people going, oh, I have nostalgia for it, but it doesn't hold up. But mostly just people going, absolutely not. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Um, you're right, though. We, we, I think we did it in the early episodes. I think I used to start by saying, what can a rewind review is the podcast where we take a look at back at you know, old movies from our childhood. Um, you know, so I sort of set it up a little bit, but you, I did stop doing that at a certain point. So yeah, welcome to the podcast if you're, if you're yeah, just yeah, a no, massive not. Final Destination fan. And you've really you were, you were eager to hear somebody chat about your you know one of your favorite films. Then uh, you're in the right place. Um, we're going to yeah. break it down, but we usually start by talking about our history with the film. Now I don't have a particularly um, I don't have a particularly interesting history with this film. So I, very quickly, I, I, I remember uh, seeing it in my teen years and thinking it was good. But I, at the time, I was going through a phase of thinking. Because I'd watched a lot of horror, both as a child and as I grew up, horror was a big part of my youth. I remember feeling this was tame for teen audiences, and while I thought it was a good film, and I won't have used this phrase, but I do think it's like a really, you know, it's, I, I do think I thought it was like a reasonably well-structured, like perfectly fine film in terms of how it's put together. I just didn't think it had enough teeth for for what it could have done. And and I felt that way a lot about teen horrors that they were doing at this era. There was a whole there was a whole series of these movies that are sort of like horror movies, but only sort of. You know, they're horror movies in scope, but they're actually kind of tamer, so they can get that lower rating, so that you can get teenagers in watching horror movies. It still happens to this day, but I remember because I'd seen a lot of movies that were very inappropriate for my age. Feeling this was like missing a bit more, maybe not, maybe gore, maybe I am just thinking of gore, but I don't know, just something a little bit more frightening, something a little bit more extreme, because this felt like a very sort of weak version of the, of the idea to me as a teen. I'm, I'm not referring to my thoughts now, but I, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I saw many of the sequels. Um, I did drop off at a certain point. I don't think I've seen the final destination, and I don't think I've seen the last one, which apparently has some link to this first one. They sort of loop it around somehow. I don't know how. I just remember mm-hmm. hearing that. Um, but yeah, so I, I, it's a perfectly adequate film. Was 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 my thoughts as a teenager? I don't think I watched it more than I think I maybe maybe I saw it twice. The initial viewing, and then like maybe a couple of years later on TV or something. Um, but I hadn't thought about it or watched it since uh, too much, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, but you chose this one because for those for new listeners, we we do we rotate who chooses the film we review each week. So Chris chose this one. What is your sort of history with the with this film? 
I watched it like as a. I wasn't particularly. Uh, I guess. I guess exposed to horror in sort of younger years in a way. Like I've never particularly mm. had an aversion to it. Um, I've also never particularly gravitated towards it. Right. And so I, I my mate's mum rented it. Like my mate convinced his mum to rent it for us when it first came out on video. So I reckon that 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 must put that at around two thousand and one, which means me and my mate were probably twelve, and obviously it's a fifteen. So like there was something. I there was definitely a sense of like, ooh, we're watching a film we probably shouldn't be. Right. Like yeah, there yeah, was yeah. definitely that sense to the proceedings, and I I remember vividly, partly because like, do you ever you ever had those mates where like you just didn't. You, like there's a group of like there's a group of like four or five of you and there's two people whose houses you always go around yeah. and then there's like one person whose house you never go around <laughs> well that was that was the mate in question like we ne- I, we never really went to his and so i i don't know whether it's because it was it would it would have been rare for me and him to be at his watching a film as opposed to be at to, as opposed to being at mine but Ooh. i do remember vividly watching it and talking about whether we were scared or whether we found it like gruesome like it, it's probably whether it is or not in my memory at least if someone was to say and i don't think it now on reflection i don't think of it as an out and out horror or do you know what i mean like it's very much a teen horror isn't it it's very Mm -hmm. much a and but if someone were to say to me what was the first horror-esque film you watched i'd probably think it was this right yeah and i remember that experience of being too young to watch it watch it and it being a bit of a thrill and i remember enjoying it and i remember really you know as someone into stories and narrative and whatever really thinking the the core premise was very good and very well executed and i remember i think renting the second and third one from the library or like <laughs> right i don't yeah i don't know the, i don't know the context but I actually, I've actually watched this twice for this podcast because we then the next, uh, the night after watching this, we watched the second one, which I think is actually better. Um, yeah, I was going to ask we'll about that. I've got, that. I've got, yeah, I've got questions um, about that for you because I, I, I suspected that while watching this one, because yeah, but we'll, yeah, I'll, I'll get to it. Go. On. Yeah. So yeah, because you didn't know I did that, so that's good then. Um, if you kind of got questions around that, and then yeah, I do because I, I, I had the, I watching the first one. I went, I think I remember the second one having more teeth a bit and, and coming and, mm. and fixing some of the, the, the issues that I have with this one. I don't think this is a bad movie, but there are some things I think are bro- not broken, but wrong with the way this script is put together. We'll come to it, though. Um, but, uh, I think, did you, you, did you, and then, yeah, and then I've, I've watched the third one and I know about the twist in the fifth one. I can tell you what that is either now or off air if you want. Okay. Um, and I've, I've always been quite impressed with the, with the, with the conceit and with the attempts that the film series has made. And I think it, you know, I think it is almost certainly entertaining. I think it sounds like we had a very similar experience watching this one where we were expecting things which are kind of there but not there as strongly as we thought, and it's yes. because they're there stronger in the sequel. So, for example, if you'd yeah. have asked me, I'd have said a big thing on this one, and, and a big thing, I think, of the Final Destination series is that sense of, that's that's what's going to kill them. That's what's going to kill Oh, no, no, that's what's going to kill yeah. them. Oh, wait, wait, wait. And then something completely different kills them. Yeah, there's, so, so there's, two, there's two sequences of that in this movie, 
But they're yes, both... but they're not quite as smooth and as no, clean as they correct. were in my memory, and yeah. I think it's because they they perfect doing that later do, in the series. Yeah, I am tempted to at least check out the second for that reason. Um, mm. Yeah, that's it. You've 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 kind of hit the nail on the head there. I think that is that is one of the problems I think with this film. Um, so so for in terms of horror, then this is like the start of your your personal foray into the into the horror genre. Yeah, I would say. And again, let me be let me be very clear. I know it's not an out and out horror. I'm just saying before that it was all sitcoms and well, I think it's well it's a and... matter of it's a matter of degrees, isn't it? Because I would consider the first Gremlins film to be in some ways a horror. But it is also a Christmas mm. film, you know, produced by Steven Spielberg that, you yeah. know, probably only had a 12 rating. You know, it, do you know what I mean? Like, actually, no, I think it got a 15 in the UK and there was a controversy around it because people thought it was like a kid's movie that had ended up with a rating too high. Anyway, that's a different story. But, you know, my, I, think, I think Gremlins is actually kind of my equivalent in that sense. I thought I saw Gremlins very young. Um, I can't remember exactly how old, but, you know, like six or seven like too young to see gremlins and mm. and then it sort of started interest in that with me that escalated over the years you know then you're watching your beetlejuice your little shop of horrors these are these are kind of light horror movies they're horror they've got horror elements but they're not out and out horror movies but that then developed into a taste for things like those 80 slasher movies so your freddy krueger's your friday the 13th you know the thing um i'm trying to think of some of the good examples uh, God, that yeah, nightmare, awful... nightmare on a nightmare on Elm Street. No, yeah, nightmare on Elm Street was an absolute favorite of mine. I mean, I, Freddy Krueger was my favorite for a long time, and then the Child's Play movies, which I just loved, uh, loved as a kid and into my teenage years, and then of course, like even those sort of hybrid action horror movies. So um, the Predator, which is an action movie with a with a real horror twist. Um and and alien. and alien, which is yeah again kind of a an atmospheric horror movie, and then the second one is kind of an action movie with a horror twist. Aliens is 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 kind of closer to Predator than Alien is to Predator, but yeah, both very much fit that bill. So I sort of and then I started like you know, and at a certain point, there's a movie that's gonna I think I'm thinking of making not my next choice but the choice after. Um, that was kind of went round at school, but then it, you know that evolved into movies like Saw and Hostel in my teenage years. So yeah, by the time I saw this, um. This obviously came well before Saw and Hostel, but like by the time I saw this, I was reasonably de- desensitized. Um, yeah. After you've watched Freddy Krueger pull Johnny Depp into that bed and all that blood gushing out, or you've seen The Shining, you know, or like any of those movies, you know, it's this is pretty tame <laughs> as it goes, you know. But I don't. But equally, equally to, and I know you're not making this point. Um, sure. But it, it. It's not meant to be. It's not no, designed to be. No, it's no, not, not at all. Do you know what I mean? For, no. for for what it is, I think it it works, and it, I do still ha- kind of have an affection for the series, mm-hmm. bizarrely, I, I, because I think there's a mythology to it, and there's a like I say, the the core conceit of the idea is is very clever, um, and I think they do they manage to stretch it out and do very different things with it, you know, throughout and stuff. Um, so yeah, so so with this one then, what was your experience rewatching it? Um, it was interesting because I was I spent the first sort of two acts of the movie being like, this is way better than I remember. Like, this is a really well constructed story. You know, you've got this great core idea. They're doing some interesting stuff um, because they're not just. It's not just they escape death and now death is following them. They've got this. Other element of um, the lead character Alex being sort of almost accused of the subsequent deaths 
because he's sort of working it out and he's ahead of everyone else, he keeps turning up at scenes or having connections to the people who are dying that make the FBI think he's doing it. And I'm like, fucking, how are they getting in? Go on. There's also themes of survivor's guilt. Like, there's some richer yeah, themes that oh, yeah. I remembered it having. Uh, yeah, and... I was just about to say, there's some really, there's some really surprisingly well-done character work on this because all the characters have different responses. The funeral scene f- that follows the initial plane accident, we should explain what the film is about, but I, w- I will finish this point before I say that. The, the funeral scene that finished... That, that, um, that follows the initial plane accident everyone individually interacts with alex and they all have very different reactions to him very different Mm. and and the stuff that they deal with like you said like survivor's guilt or even like the the dad putting the blame on alex even though you know for the brother that died like even though it's it's obviously not alex's fault but it's so easy to see how he'd come to that conclusion like and seeing how it affects the dynamics the relationships the friendships is really interesting and they do a really good job of it again my point being though all that is there and i'm happy and i'm enjoying the movie and i'm turning to and going this is way better than i remember until the third act where it basically unravels to an embarrassing degree all the character work goes out the window they clearly didn't know how to end it they clearly didn't know how to get them out of the situation they'd written them into, so they made these weird arbitrary rules. Then they thought, well, we should have a horror movie ending where it's a surprise. But then they wait six months to do that, which makes you go, why didn't it just carry on in the six months, is my question. Uh, and they also just don't address why he's not arrested for murder, because they very clearly, in the middle of the movie, explain his footprint was left at the scene of the murder, and his handprint was on the knife that was... That was clearly, yeah, in, and, and the it, FBI they clarify the FBI found FBI found that evidence, so he should be arrested. But at no point do they the, explain that he didn't <laughs> or why he didn't. The minute the minute he's on the run, it just starts falling falling apart. apart. Correct. After and the teacher, these... that's the third act. That's an that's about an hour yeah. into the movie. The entire third act, which is the final third, which is the the sort of from the hour point to the hour twenty odd point when the movie sort of wraps up, the last sort of twenty thirty minutes. A mess. Just a mess. They had no idea how to finish this film at all. <laughs> and it's a shame, yeah, the- because all the setup is so good, and all the escalation through the middle of the movie is good. Because that's when the two sort of deaths occur that are, um, those, how's it gonna get them? You know, uh, the final deaths where they're trying to escalate it and amp it up are just, like, random shit's coming at them from every angle. They're just dodging. Like, that's not exciting. <laughs> it's just not. No, and it's too... Because one of the best things about this film and the premise is that it's fundamentally it's a slasher movie where without the slasher, the slasher without a slasher <laughs> yeah but but it's almost like those last few deaths it's like there's an invisible person pulling shit out the ground at ground and chuck it at chuck yes. it at them do you know what i mean like it's yeah it's, it's better it's as... better when you can when like this setup of oh the screw is loosening or, and yeah, and I get, or I get water why is that, pouring because... out. Yeah, they're trying. To, it's I see the writer trying to escalate, and yeah, doesn't, and doesn't know to how to do it. But no, that's the wrong. That's wrong. Incorrect. The way they do it is is incorrect. <laughs> mm. uh, very briefly to explain the premise of the movie before we carry on. Uh, for those who don't know who are joining us, just to, because they want to listen to this podcast and they've not watched the movie, it's a movie about a bunch of teenagers who are going to a school trip to France. Uh, one of the kids has a dream immediately when he gets on the plane, um, or. Dream slash premonition uh, that the plane is going to explode. He gets all panicky, jumps up, it causes a bunch of commotion. So the plane people remove him and a couple of others for causing said commotion from the plane. Then it takes off, and while the six or seven of them are in the airport, they then see the plane explode in the air. The authorities are suspicious that the, the kid who saw that the plane, because he'd said it's going to explode, it's going to explode. They think he might have been involved. 
um and they but they've all survived and then the <laughs> and then people who are on the plane start dying the premise being that basically death has a plan has a pattern and they've subverted that through his premonition and now the universe is sort of trying to correct um i think I, I think it's a good, really good premise. The problem they had here is, and, I, and I've read, I've got this from the trivia, so you'll have to forgive me for jumping ahead. But the original draft of this script, death was a more physical presence. Mm. So they've pulled that back, but maybe not enough. <laughs> because, certainly not at the end. Certainly not at the end. And there's even, I would even say in the in the middle, there are hints of it, like the water retreating. Yeah. Yeah. Which I understand why they've done from a story perspective, because you you, you want to make it so there's a question as to whether Alex was involved. Whereas if you find the liquid that trips the guy up into choking himself, it's a it's a, it's a weird movie. If you've not seen it, <laughs> um, uh, you know, you, you then th- there's no room for the police to blame Alex basically if they find the water because they could say he slipped. Right? It's sort of that mystery solves itself. Yeah, and no, and no room for other people to also go. Well, he's undeniably right because. <laughs> This yeah ex- exactly yeah oh yeah that's a good point too yeah so like so you know i know why they have to write that the water sort of retreats but that makes it less seem like the universe correcting and more like there's an actual spirit or specter or ghost chasing them down and and, and creating situations to kill which which is uh, the, the, the movie has to for this movie to work it needs to ride a finer line i think between those two well or or get in or get more firmly in one lane so e- because yes. you know you yeah, could correct. you could do a version where and i think later ones and in some ways like the morgue scene talks about you know death being oh, a presence we're, and we're gonna get to the morgue thing. scene <laughs> death being a presence and death being a thing so i think you either you either go down that lane and make it very much that or you don't and you make it because it's quite clever to me that up until kind of towards the end you know the 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 bus is an accident the plane crash is the plane crash the the thing looks like suicide and the teacher looks like alex killed her there's a kind of there's an FBI explanation for all of it, yes. but I think you're right. Picking a lane maybe is what it should done. It wouldn't. It, the Spectre thing would be okay if it was all the Spectre thing. Yeah, or all accident. Like it's 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 yeah. it's it's clearly the movie. Yeah, and, and it all for me. That's the reason it falls apart. In this one of the reasons it falls apart in the second act. Um, I do also know from trivia and from finding the clip on YouTube is that this is actually not the movie's original ending. Um, the movie's original ending, which is available on YouTube, is shitter. Um, What's that? So the movie's original ending has an extended version of the scene with those two on the beach that more overtly makes their relationship romantic, which I don't like because I like that it's quite mm. subtle, their relationship, and it's only really sort of six months later that they get together because who would essentially fall in love and be in a relationship after a day, even under these extreme circumstances? It's actually, I think it's in the final product, it's reasonably subtly done. And they don't even overtly say yeah. that together in the end. He just sort of puts his arm around her, and it's, you know, it's it's mm. you know, it's it, I, yeah, it's it's the perfect level for me of a relationship in a movie like this. It's like don't make it too much the center of it. The original one is much more overt in that they have a much more romantic moment on the beach, and then in the end of the movie when he grabs the wire, he dies. Alex, he dies saving her, ending the cycle. Oh, right. But then she, and then it cuts to, and she has a kid. They like clearly at some point found time to sleep together. What? <laughs> when? You're, you're, mate, you're asking me. 
I don't fucking know. <laughs> Jesus. Um, and I'm trying to remember where it ends from there because I was too blown away by the fact she was having Alex's kid after he died saving her in the, with, the, with the electricity of the car to actually remember uh, where <laughs> what the actual ending is. That is maybe just it. And, oh, dude, I think she goes. Oh, she goes That's... to his. She goes to his grave, and the other guy turns up that survived, and they're like, "It's because of him we got out of it," you know, or something like that. Um, it, and so it looks like the movie. It feels like they didn't know quite how to end the movie, and they tried a few different things, and this is what they scraped together that works. And I guess, comparatively, this ending is very favorable to that original one. <laughs> but I think, in yeah. on, on balance, it's it's a it's a it's a broken it's a broken third act, and it really needs work. Um, Going back to the because I this I I I just uh, the yes yeah, so both times I've watched this. I got so distracted by this, and it's probably such a minor point. But Dan, can we talk about the color of the water coming out of that toilet? Like, why is, is it, it pink? It, pink uh, to me, it looked like this weird sort of neon type blue. Like, oh, maybe maybe I'm misremembering. Yeah, it's definitely a color it shouldn't be. I thought that. Yeah, and it's like, is that because there's cleaning chemicals in the water? But then the water doesn't look like it's dripping from the toilet. It looks like it's dripping from the connector. It, yeah. Like, so that's I, asked weird. Na- I asked Nadia about this. She reckons the water's leaking out of the inside of the bowl, and they've got one of those. Uh, they've got one of those. You know, things you put in the bowl that turns the water blue. Yeah, that's that's the conclusion I came to. Yeah. yeah. Weird though. I guess they did that for like visual flair, and because that's how they could explain it. But yeah, I agree. It's weird. <laughs> yeah. No, it looks it looks cool. And again, that that death. That death's actually quite harrowing. That one, um, the the bathroom death, um, is quite well. Mm. One, I mean, the kids. He doesn't know what the like that. That kid's never shaved in his life. Like he's not putting shaving foam on. Yeah, he's we, not lubricated. We, we, we noted. He's, he's that. also <laughs> he's also fundamentally got no hair to shave on his face. Yeah, that was um, our big point. The, was we were just like, why? <laughs> The actual death, though, and the notion that it looks like suicide from guilt about his brother living. And that's another good example, actually, where it's slightly expositional and slightly obvious setup. But things like him talking about a future with Alex and going on a road trip so he knows it definitely wasn't suicide is quite clever. Like, there's a lot of stuff in this film that is embedded in quite nicely. First two acts are almost perfect. Like, there's very little that's not nitpicking, why is the water blue? Oh, I wish you didn't quite retract. I know why, but whatever. That stuff's nitpicking. All the big fundamental problems with this movie are in its final act. This stuff, the early stuff's great. And, and, and I'll tell you as well, with that, the, the, the deaths that happen in the earlier half of the movie are all really great too. I admire how long they took to set up the plane and show us it happening both from both perspectives through his premonition and then through the distance shot because that's clever. We get to see the horror of it up close without Alex having to live it. You know, um, uh, that's clever. That's great. Uh, Ten points, you know, spectacle, uh, intrigue, like all all on board. The second death, the kid in the bath, brilliant. The way his eyes go, come on, that's gross. That's great. Like, that's such a simple but upsetting. It's 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 a simple but very upsetting visual, and his him reaching out for the scissors just to cut the line. You're like, yeah, that's genius. There's a tension to it. You don't know if he's gonna make it. Well, you assume he's not. But then again, you could I could also see a version of this that extends it, where he gets the scissors, cuts it. He's like, phew, and then like the house blows up or something. Do you know what I mean? Like this, you know, yeah, there's, yeah, a, there's, there's a, you know, the the bus death is one of the most brilliantly shocking things. The like I I remembered the Sean William Scott death 
we talked about it at the end of the last episode as being one of the few things I remember from this movie. Um, but fuck me, I forgot about the bus. Fucking hell. Mm. That's a great well, the, death. That's a great death. Well, so is the knives. When the, she starts yes. tugging on that cloth and it's on the knives, you you literally, you curl up. You, yeah, you, you know. You're like, oh, There's a tension to it. Like, yeah, yeah, it's very well physically done. physically react. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, so, so you look at the first half of this movie, they found a really clever premise. They've got a bunch of really cool, clever deaths that are escalating in scale to the house explosion being the sort of final point of that. You've got the main character putting himself in positions where he's completely blamed for them in a very reasonable way. You understand why he chooses to go. He's trying to save her. He's trying to do the right thing and not thinking about himself. He's a very selfless character. Gives you some information about him and escalates the story because you go, fuck, it really looks like he did that. Think about that. He, his hand, the blade, she's got a blade wound on her chest. There's a blade found next to her that will presumably have her blood on it and his fingerprints. And his footprint is next to her. They set that up. Why don't they pay any of that off? <laughs> you also, halfway through the movie, you just go, well, how does this end? How do they get out of this? Because it just seems like they're all going to die. And there's nothing they can do about it because the universe is that determined to kill them. And yet, then it all just starts to be a really obvious avoidable stuff. <laughs> you know, that, that she's running through a house Jumanji style while like a, 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 a possessed uh, electric line follows her through the house. Like, what? What? Well, we'll it see, it just something... falls apart. There's no payoff to any of this. The solution to how they get out of it is a, is a fake out but a, and a bad one. Because you just the whole time you're going, you don't know that this skips anyone. You just assume. Yeah, I was going to say. So let's let's talk about that because that that yeah. is the that is the ex- whether flawed or not. That is the explanation the film gives, isn't it? So the notion is yes. that well, it doesn't. It doesn't because they, they go back on it at the end. They they, they the, the the trick at yeah. the end is actually they thought that, but it's not true because now it's still coming for them, which is fine. That's a fine horror movie ending don't skip six months though because then you just go what death took a break he was he was like clocking out see you guys in six months <laughs> yeah but they did that at the beginning because there was 30 there's 39 days between the the crash and then the funeral and it all starting to unravel Is again. There? Oh, i don't remember that yeah they're like 39 days ago we lost 39 lives so it's like there's over a month between oh shit the, the, the plane explosion and it all, all right. kicking off but then you could go but that you go okay well you know it took, took time for the universe to correct but once it starts and it's killing someone every you know 12 hours which is you know roughly yeah. the time scale you why just suddenly stop for six months what you think you think that's bad right there's <laughs> spoilers for the second one potentially spoilers there's there's two characters left at the end of this film, yes. right? There's only one one of those characters returns for the second film. Yeah, I'm going to assume and, I'm going to assume Ali Lata's character. Yeah, because if, if you bring back the main main guy, that's like that's. I just feel like that's like it's the same movie, isn't it? <laughs> like, yeah, the only way yeah, you could the only way you could do if I was if I was writing if I was tasked with writing the sequel to this movie and I was allowed to bring one of the characters back, it wouldn't be him. <laughs> Yeah, and the way they do you want to hear? So do you want to hear Dan how how he how he ends up dying? Mm. He so goes I took, into I took, an a, I took a drink in that moment, but yes, absolutely, I do want to hear. Off off screen, he goes into an alleyway, and a brick hits him in the face, and <laughs> kills him dead on the spot. Like it's, I saw a list of like best, like all the deaths in Final Destination ranked, and literally at the bottom of the list was. Hit by a brick off screen. <laughs> it's like Amazing. Such, 
so crazy. And um, you know what's funny so, yeah. about that is you you almost want to change the ending of this movie. If if you know he's not coming back, and I'm willing to bet the reason she I'm willing to bet the reason she's in the next one and he isn't is not a screenwriting decision. I would have made it for screenwriting reasons, because I just think it's more interesting to shift up who the protagonist is between movies with a series like this. But I'm willing to bet what actually happened was they wanted to bring him back and couldn't figure out a contract, timing, whatever. He couldn't come back, right? Casper wasn't able, wasn't available. So instead of like you 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 know, instead of having to bring it, they've just had to kill him off screen. That's just what they'd be forced to do. But what's funny then, do you think part of them was just like, shit, I wish we just killed him at the end of the last one then? Because we could have given the main character, that would have been a much bolder ending to the first one. Because for those who don't remember how this movie ends, it jumps six months and they think they're they're getting out of it. And then this sign breaks and nearly kills Alex, but the other dude saves him. And when he stands up, the sign swings back around and hits him. So it's that it's the extraneous dude that's dead leaving the core two cast members. Do you wish so that? For, do you wish that for? Imp- do you think they wish for impact? They'd killed Alex. Well, so it says on the Final Destination two Wikipedia, it right. says one of the one of the prior film's main characters, Alex Browning, was killed off screen in the first from was was killed off screen in the film. Rumors indicate that Sa- Sawyer. The actor had a contract dispute with New Line concerning the deduction of his salary. However, Perry resolved this issue with the statement that it had everything to do with narrative and nothing to do with the money or Devon's unwillingness to come back. Despite this, New Line reinstated Ali Latter to reprise her character of Claire Rivers. When New Line asked me to come back, I thought it was great. They showed me the script and let me have some input and it was really terrific. Um, so... Yeah, make of that what you will. Yeah. So, like, so yeah, it, it almost makes me think they wish they'd killed him in this movie. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. I think that would have been a, that would have been a bolder, a bolder ending. And to be honest with you, I think they could have, they could have said they did. Fundamentally, that sign was. I'd have bought if they'd said the sign killed both of them, wouldn't you? Well, like then the other one stood up and got hit by it too, because <laughs> it's still. Well, no, like it could have just hit them. Like it could oh, just crushed hit him. them. Crushed him, crushed them both, forced it. In, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah, that's weird. Anyway. A brick. A falling brick. And like, the thing is, yeah. I'm not even imagining a falling brick. I'm imagining a brick popping out of the thing, floating in midair for a second, and then launching at his head. <laughs> well, that's the, that's the kind of suggestion, I think. But yeah. anyway, going back to... So, the morgue scene, Dan. So, I oh, mean, yeah. what an incredible break-in that they randomly decide to do. <laughs> but I'm going to ask you... I'm not even going to... This You're going to want to, like moan about them or, or you this isn't going to be what you want to discuss about the borg scene without a doubt but here's my question dan let's get deep do you think he knows death do you think some people have theorized he's the devil they what's have. going on with that character i now? read i read some interesting things about this a lot of people do do think he is um death that is him taunting them almost through the, the mm. a figure um the creators have come out and said that is not the intention he's just knowledgeable that way which actually leads to my criticism, Chris. Now, I'm only going to use the official term for this trope once because I don't like saying it. I don't think it's an appropriate word to use. But so people can search it if they wish to to uh, to, to to learn more about this trope. They would need the correct phrasing. And as it was dubbed by Spike Lee, the magical Negro um, character. Now, this is a trope 
Um, I'll be calling them the magical black person for future reference. Um, but if you want to Google it, now you know what it's known as. Um, is a trope across many, many movies where there is a sort of um, uh, a black character introduced, usually for a short amount of time, who has special insight powers, often supernatural quasi mystical sort of you know leaning on that white assumption that all that white link that some people make between black people and like mysticism and voodoo which is insane it's a horrible trope um it's in some of my favorite movies and i hate it um i think the shining is a big culprit um and i think the shining is really one of the earliest examples good old scatman crothers who puts in a great performance in that role but he is ultimately, you know, the, the 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 person who helps the white protagonist get out of trouble, which is the other side of this, this, um, uh, you know, this this trope, this archetype. Um, mm. It's 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 not pleasant. I don't like it. I think it makes no. weird assumptions. I think it's, um, I think it's lazy. It might be an accident in this case. It might be that they just wrote there was a character that would say all this stuff. And then the casting people chose a black guy. I don't think so. Uh, <laughs> I suspect this is mm-hmm. legit, and it's upsetting, and I don't like it. I don't like it in Ghost. Um, and they sort of do it in Happy Gilmore, um, you know, with the with the Chubbs character. I don't know. It's 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 a problem. And and honestly, like I I see this movie, and there's this one scene that is only there for exposition. I just think it could have been avoided any other way, any other way for these kids to find out this information than using. Yeah, especially that because it's such an expo- trope. It's such an expositional scene because that character never comes back again, and like the way they like it's one of the first, and it, and this is an element that gets way worse later in the movie, um, like the. It, logic of decision making and even like the ease in which characters are able to do something like the fact that they how'd they get on the ceiling how'd they know there was a window on the ceiling the coincidence of there being enough coffin stacked up that they could break in via a window on the yeah, ceiling and then and just like, the guy that happens to know all of what they need to know just appears is, again is leaning there, into well, that magical black guy like archetype oh yeah so they lean into the so. magical trope because he he knows their names and stuff, and he knows it's, Alex's yeah. name and why he's there. Like, yeah, it's yeah. it's the only scene in the op- in the first two acts of the movie I don't like. <laughs> it's the only yeah. scene that really bothers me um, because also I don't think we need it because you think about that scene, you think about all the exposition they get in that scene. There's two things they learn in that scene, right? One is that it confirms that Thingy didn't kill himself; that it was an accident, right? Mm. And then they learn that oh, you know, well, death, death's got away. It's gonna, it's coming for you, and it sort of indicates to them and puts them on. The, <coughs> sorry, puts them in the thinking that, that, that they have usurped death and it's coming for them, right? Which is the premise of the movie. And you want the main characters to understand that early. But and there's a big but. Couldn't they have just had the FBI guys say to Alex in questioning, "Well, we actually, you know." We've we've had the coroner's report back, and you're kind of free and clear because we found claw marks to suggest he tried to, um, you know, undo the thing. And then Alex go, well, if he died by accident, that's a hell of a coincidence, and well, start to, to wonder them, like... the rest. He doesn't need well, do, well... a character to puff out of thin air and go, 
and here's all of the mystical stuff you want to hear. <laughs> you don't need you could that. Have her, you have you Alex could have work her that it. out. You could have her do it. She's fairly mythical and aware of like... Sure, she's like yeah. A, she's an odd character. She's always reading. She, You could easily buy her name. Like literally... Her name is Clear. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's... She's, we thought it was an error. Literally... We had the subtitles on for the first few minutes of this movie, and we thought that it was an error in the subtitles. We we'd left they were on by accident, but we just sort of didn't change it for a few minutes. Um, her, her name is Clear. Cl- the word Clear. <laughs> oh, was it? I thought they were. I thought it was Claire. Was C L E A R. Wow. Um, <laughs> and we thought it was the... a fuck up with the titles. We had to Google it to check. <laughs> She's she's literally reading in the entire airport scene. So you just have her go. There's sure. ideas in literature that blood of like she kind of does that anyway. Although she flip flops with what she believes and what she doesn't throughout the film. Yeah. Um, my favorite, like, what is the logic here? Just I, it's probably technically possible, but how, Dan? How is he able? How does the? How can he push a boat? over a lake over some water and it be the equivalent time it takes them to drive round the water like it's so like the logic of where that house is how close it is to her house because he then run they seem to be driving to that house for a fair while and then he manages to run back to hers like it's just like the logic of that and again it's obviously third act stuff but it's just it's just madness so what um what's your what's your favorite death Favorite? I see. I have struggled with favorite death because I think the best one for like the what I associate with this series, which is the tent stuff, is the teacher. It's great. Yeah, she yeah, spills yeah. the okay. liquid. It starts to smoke. You just don't know what's gonna get her. And I'd forgotten. And we were both me and Nadia were like, "Oh, is it gonna be this? Is it gonna be that?" And it and it is really what I associate with this series, which is that building tension because several things are going wrong around her, and you just don't know which is going to be the cause. Um, and that's the best one, because in the end, it's so spectacular what actually happens to her, and so ridiculous, but in like the best way. Like it's th- That's the thing, is I think this movie could have, like it was trying to be subtle and clever, and actually, I think it might have benefited from just loosening up a little bit, and just acknowledging it's a silly idea, and leaning into it more, which again is why I have a suspicion the sequel is probably better, because I feel like by the sequel, they always loosen up a little bit, and just go, well, fuck it, it's silly idea like let's lean into that um at yeah some point... but the second one's a good balance of also there's a there's a narrative idea which i thought really clever thought was really clever right i remember watching it with the commentary on on like dvd and during this there's this particular scene which explains the narrative idea and the the writers and director or whatever were just like yeah people hated this apparently they just want fun deaths uh, but i love it like there's a, there's right. a really Interesting. Uh, well uh, do, you, do you want me to give you a, a spoiler i assume you're not about to rush out and watch it i might watch it i'm thinking about watching it soon enough okay, I don't, right. uh, yeah i'll keep i'll keep because because i it's the problem as far as i'll go i'm not going to get to the fifth or sixth or whatever the last movie is that links it around so you after the call i'm gonna after we've done the podcast today i'm gonna ask you to tell me what that is um, what the link between yeah. the two is but in terms of i don't want to spoil it here in case anybody's just watched the first one to watch this and is going on to watch the others uh, yeah, but i'll probably fine, watch, i'll probably watch the second oh yeah i think that's yeah um yeah i don't have the time oh. to watch all five but i'll definitely Can check we, out the second one and we haven't talked about this death at all and this character. So let's talk about how it's really strange because... <laughs> because well, I was going to ask you what your favourite uh, death was because mine is the teacher, but I wasn't sure what yours was. I think the teacher or the bus is quite... Is yeah, quite the, the bus surprising. is my runner-up. 
Um, I think the bus really works. And I actually don't think, whilst it's in the middle of third act madness, I don't think Sean William Scott's character's death is that bad. He's sort of the, obviously... he's the start of it, isn't he? It, like that, that scene in the car with the three of them is after the teacher at the beginning of the third act where things are starting to unravel but they haven't quite fallen apart but yet. I, I think they do a good job of like that that final the final death of that scene is not the death you think it's going to be at the beginning. I know we, we both remembered it but like I think I remember that playing quite well when I saw it for the first time and didn't know what was going to happen. But I want to talk in, just a bit broader about about Sean William Scott because it kind of feels like everyone else knows they're in Final Destination and he feels like he's in American Pie and I don't know if that's his acting if he's just if the character's written that way it just like I know he's a very different character to Stifler but it feels in some scenes that he like he's in a different movie or that yeah, character's in a different he movie he does I just think that might be Sean William Scott because I tried to th- I was thinking about that and I I went back and looked at a couple of his moments you know his like scenes and if you look at what he's physically saying you could imagine that on the page being a little subtler like there's nothing he there's no words they give him that are that over the top but he just sort of delivers them in that way and while he does feel a little bit like he's in a different movie they just about get away with it because he just comes across as the weird character like he's he's you know like a lot of these um, sort of slasher movies. I think back to like the Scream movies, particularly where it's a bunch of very sort of normal seeming teenagers, and they've always got their weird friend that's in the group some, mm. for some reason. Um, I think was it ja- was it Jamie Kennedy that played him in? No, not Jamie Kennedy. Um, who was it in Scream? Was it Seth Green? God, man, I'm gonna look that up quickly. Bear with me. You know the guy that like know that knows the rules of the horror movie in Scream. What's yeah, yeah, yeah. What's that mean. character's name? What's the actor who plays him? It's not David Arquette. I can't I'm just looking through the cast list. I've just pulled it up. Oh, God, it's going to drive me nuts. I'll find it out later. Oh, yeah, no, it's Jamie Kennedy. Okay, so, yeah, Jamie Kennedy's character, Randy, and that is like, he is that character, and he's very different from the rest of the group. He's neurotic and a bit loud, and in a way, you could easily make the same argument for him. Um, I don't think this character that Sean William Scott plays was written to be that archetype but i think sean william scott brought that archetype to it and gets away with it just <laughs> I think... yeah he does because it's not it's not to be fair it's you kind of get away with all of them being different archetypes because fundamentally none of them are friends they're not a group no. of friends the film does a really good job in that, that opening sequence yes like that sean william scott's character is is there purely by accident he was late and gets pushed out by the rest of them during the commotion like you know they only todd and alex are, are friends um so yeah so my, that was that, my question so is the, I, I went to ask you about that so do you think had alex not caused the commotion he he would have got on the plane but just late is that what they imply? Yeah. So the the implication I think is that he because in the in this in Alex's sequence he's late and he says oh sorry I'm late right and then they yeah, yeah, right. Sit down. yeah you're right absolutely right yeah 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 and but in the when they get kicked out they're getting kicked off and he and just he sort of gets caught get up because he try he tries to get back on and it's yes. like I wasn't fighting with anyone. I was just late and the air can the air stewardess is like or steward is just like no you're not coming. And right, sort of right, slams right. it in yeah, his yeah. face. So um, um, I, I, that that sequence is a shame, though, because I think they could have made his death as shocking as the bus death, and it's not. And the reason mm-hmm. it's not is because they, for some reason, choose to have this sequence of dialogue in the car 
where Alex refuses to outright say who's next. And if you remember when Alex dotted it out, you know who's next. But because Alex doesn't specifically say, hey, dude, you're next. You're, you're going, oh, it could be anyone. So you're sort of looking out for anyone to die. Whereas, because at that mm. point, we don't, like, if you're a new viewer, at that point, you don't know the idea is you can skip it. You, you know, if, you're re- if, if you get removed from the decision, it sort of circles around and goes to the next person along, right? We don't know that yet as an audience, if we're watching this fresh. So what they should have done in that scene, and again, this is the third act, the wheels starting to come off thing again, um, because it's a scene with a lot of potential, doesn't quite maximise it, and the way it could have maximised it, in my opinion, is have Alex outright say to, um, I forget the name of the character, the guy, the, 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 uh, the guy that hates him. The, uh, in Carter. The, Carter, the guy that's driving. Um, what, what Alex should have said is, yeah, Carter, you're next, so maybe you shouldn't be driving. <laughs> and Carter just being like, Oh, you know what? Fuck it. If I'm if I'm doomed, I'm doomed. And then they go on the joyride, and exactly as it pans out in the movie, right? And he's like, "I'm Which next." Which is quite anyway. good as well. The, the the joyride aspect is another. It's another quick look at how someone might be feeling in that scenario which is a right. slightly different take yeah and i like that it's the only problem is it comes out of him assuming it's him i don't know why mm. the script makes alex keep quiet and go it doesn't matter does it we're all marked eventually why can't alex just say am i next and him say yes because if they confirm that he's next then that whole scene i think average viewer is focused on him how's he dying in this car situation then he gets stuck mm. on the track you're like oh it's gonna be him Alex, don't throw yourself away because you know this guy's next. And when Alex pulls him out, you'd be like, phew, but what's going to get him? Not at all expecting John William Scott's character to get decapitated. Do you know what I mean? I think that mm-hmm. would have been a lot more shocking if the movie had laid out exactly who was next because the only way you would know he was next, I think, is if you were paying a lot of attention to when he was drawing out his diagram earlier in the movie. You know, when he draws out the diagram of where the explosion went to work out that the teacher is next. Yeah, but, uh, but wasn't it that he was next? Because isn't that the point where they're like, he thinks he's saved because he thinks he got skipped because Alex pushes it, pulls him out of the car? It's all very convoluted. Well, no, because they don't realise that until after Sean William Scott gets decapitated. So what happens is, so Alex thinks... The, the yeah, so as an next. audience member, so yeah, but who was actually next then? So Carter was actually next as per the map. Carter was supposed to be next, yes. Right, yeah, yeah. So this is what I'm saying, is if they, if they clarified it, you're watching yeah, Carter yeah, yeah, that yeah, whole scene, yeah. right? You're expecting Carter yeah. to be the one that dies. So you have the revelation when Alex does, if you go into that scene concretely knowing that. I think you can yeah, work so they it should out. Have, they from... shouldn't just be depending on people remembering his dotted line math with the seat seating chart. Correct. Yeah, yeah. And 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 you're not gonna. Um, or maybe even no. they don't even get to showing who's next. Maybe they maybe they get to the teacher and he just panics because he knows the teacher's next and they cut away. I don't know. I can't remember. But even if it's if they expect you to get it from the map. It's not concrete enough. Why not confirm who's next? Because then the deck, the scene that follows is better for two reasons. One, his joyride makes even more sense if he knows outright he's next. Because that's a really good reaction for someone to have to, you, you, you're marked for death. Um, mm. uh, I think that's a really honest, weird, but honest reaction to it. Then your attention's on him. Then you're surprised when Sean William Scott gets killed as an audience member because you're under the impression that that guy was next. 
And then you have the realization that Alex has that you can make it skip a person. You're with Alex in that moment. Because that's when Alex realizes and verbalizes it can skip someone if they're saved. Yeah. But that doesn't work if you don't know going into the scene. <laughs> I know I sound yeah, like I'm yeah. repeating myself, but I'm just trying to like round my point, like just clarify it. Because I just think that whole thing comes around so much better if you know that. And it's such a weird choice to have Alex not confirm at the beginning. I don't understand. What, what do they gain out of doing that? I honestly don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because there'd be way more tension for the audience Correct. and actually the characters if he just revealed it. Yeah, I, d- I don't understand. And that is really the beginning of the movie's quality like decline. That's the beginning of the movie going off the rails. Like a bad choice there followed by just tons of we don't know what we're doing with this movie anymore choices. <laughs> Who? The Ali Lata's character. Yes. Clear. Who's she living with, Dan? <laughs> is she... She been left the house. Like, is it like who's who's she living with? Is my question. <laughs> I don't know. I I did wonder about that because she, she she must have parents, right? But, <laughs> but we never see. She them. does this. She does a speech about. Doesn't she do a speech about how her someone died and they left her or something? Oh God! On the beach. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Oh, that beach scene, man. I fucking I struggled to focus on that beach scene. Um, Again, beginning of the end. It's in the third act, so it doesn't work. Um, (laughs) Yeah, maybe. Maybe she gives a big emotional speech. (laughs) Uh, But either way, yeah, she's got to be living with some form of adult, right? She's not just got a house. Her dad. Her dad. Her dad got shot. I think. Right. So what? She's got. I don't know. So she's living with her mum still. Yeah, I can't remember what she says about her mum's her mum. Gotcha. I don't know. Yeah, because she talks about how that yeah that's why she believes in that place and uh, almost like they almost talk about like alternative timelines and stuff. Ah, uh, yeah, that's right. So is that the scene then where in the alternative version they then have sex and make a baby? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's I think it's implied. I remember from watching the the, the final scene um, on it. It's basically I think they end up making out at the end of that scene. That I think it's like that scene is like a more explicit. Yeah, I've got it in front of me. Here they are. That's them kissing on the beach. So yeah, at the end of that scene, they get to it, and then the neck. Then at the end of the movie, after Alex has died, you see there's a scene with her checking a what looks like a pregnancy test. Um, oh no, she checks a pregnancy test in the house prior to. Oh, okay, yeah, there you go. So it's it's before the death comes for her. There's a scene where she's in her bedroom and she looks at a pregnancy test and it's got a in the toilet and she looks at it, it's got the plus and then she throws it into a bin that's full of like, it looks like 10 different pregnancy tests. <laughs> and then the movie carries on as normal, um, you know, to the, to the, from there to the point where Alex saves her. But when he saves her, he dies. And then it cuts to her giving birth. Like six months wow. later or nine months later, sorry. Um, you know, it's it's just her in the hospital giving birth to Alex's baby. And then she goes to visit his grave um, with the kid. Um, oh, the kid has like... Oh, she's br- she seems to be bringing the kid up in Alex's room. Because that's that, that's that fan from that was repeatedly in the movie. And she's got the picture that that photographer took of them two together at the funeral. And then she goes to his grave. And that's when Carter shows up. And they have a little moment, and then a leaf falls from a tree, and the camera follows it. <laughs> it's a weird ending. Wow. It's a weird ending. 
It isn't. What, uh, yeah, so so that's that's kind of what that is. I mean, do, do you, that's not better, is it? I'm not wrong. That's a terrible ending. <laughs> no, it's not better at all. No, 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 definitely not. So I guess that does. Yeah. So the beach scene is the implication. Then no, wait. So if the be- yeah, but if the beach scene was the implication of where they had sex, then she's the next like what she's checking a pregnancy test. What three hours later in her in her house? I don't know. Well, maybe <laughs> the implication is he's been hiding out for a while. Oh yeah, that does kind of imply that. Let's talk like, well, uh, very briefly. Let's talk about the FBI. Why do Why do you think they just drop it? Why do you think he just gets away with it? Like I don't understand. I don't know. I want to talk. I want a whole spin-off movie with those two guys. Like, <laughs> that's, that scene where he's like, "Don't take this the wrong way," but sometimes I find you really creepy. <laughs> like I want a whole a whole movie of that. Like, well, it's weird yeah. because they because um, they because they, they do a thing where. One of them goes, oh, I don't know, I almost believe him. Like, he's, he sounds crazy, but I almost believe him. Then they do, he shows up at the teacher's house and leaves loads of evidence that he just murdered her and set her house on fire. Um, and then they have Sean William Scott's character say, I was, I was interviewed by the FBI and they told me what evidence they have. Because well, that, by the way, that is not at all what they would do. They keep the evidence secret, but they told him, they had the knife with the with the um, with the handprints, and I actually went back and watched this scene twice today just to make sure I had this right. Sean William Scott says they had the knife with the handprints and a blood a ca- like the the heat caramelized the blood. This is the, that's the word he uses caramelized the blood footprint and left that preserved. So they found that too. Then the next time we see the FBI guys, because again I checked this today, I went through it to find to see if I could figure out if I'm missing a scene where they changed their minds. I'm not. It's just the ending; it falls apart. They're waiting outside of Claire's house for Alex to show up, and she goes out to them and is like, "I'm, you know, I'm not telling you where he is, um, but you know, um, I can take you to him." And they're like, "We'll take him in safely, I promise." And that's when she must tell them where he is because they then find him, don't they? And that's when he goes on the run. Um, but at no point there do they say boat. anything. But when they're chasing him, they're like, Alex, we're trying to help you. And it's like, mm, you're trying to arrest him for the murder of his teacher, aren't you? Like, we've just clarified that the last time we heard about what you guys are up to. So it's just so muddled. And then he saves Claire and survives through whatever. And then it just cuts to six months later and he's not been arrested. <laughs> like, are we forgetting that they think he murdered his teacher? I don't understand. Unless- I tried tracking it. I can't make sense of it. Please, if someone knows you just in the comments go- below... The FBI saw enough weird shit to just go, eh, he's probably right. They saw or, enough weird shit to call in uh, Mulder and Scully. Or there was like, some other evidence was found at the house which exonerated Alex or some shit like that. I don't know. Put it in the movie. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, but you can't without being clunky. Without, without them sat at the You Paris don't think it's clunky to just it. ignore it? It's, it, it, the, the, the tension of the first two acts of the movie is him nearly like making himself look very guilty. Is it acceptable to just not address it at all? Yeah, yeah, no, that's fair. <laughs> but I've just, I've just got this picture in my head of the Paris cafe scene being five minutes long and Alex going, Don't... cool, when you think about everything that happened last year with me nearly getting arrested but then not I, getting look, arrested because I, they discovered this piece of evidence. Mate, the... I agree with you. Then don't write yourself into that corner. Don't have it be that clear cut that he's... If you're not going to... Look, the tension at the end of the, the teacher scene is you go, fuck, he looks very guilty. He's put his fingerprints on it. He's left his footprint. We've witnessed that happen. That He's fucked. That's the tension they build up by doing that. Mm. Don't do that if you're not going to pay it off. 
because that is setting up a storyline you're not prepared to answer because you know it'll be clunky then don't set it up (laughs) like don't waste your breath like because honestly the reason i'm so into the movie by that point is because i'm really enjoying the way that's escalating as well as the deaths because i'm going i don't know how he gets out of this evidently the writers didn't know either they wrote themselves into that corner don't do that then. If it doesn't work, don't write yourselves into that corner. If you've created a situation where it's so convincing that he would be caught and arrested for this and you don't have a plan for getting him out, don't do it. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Absolutely. Don't or have even, one. You could not you could just not have the scene where Sean William Scott's described the evidence because you can see why I'd still have no, I'd still have the questions though, because it was very clear he left his fingerprints and the only thing you could do there though is you could say, Oh, the explosion erased that evidence. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But the other thing I had thought was, why not do a scene between the the so after the car moment and the Sean William Scott death and the moment where the FBI are at Clear's house, you know, after the beach, do a scene between there where the FBI guys, like, get access to, like, a security camera and they find evidence that that exonerates him, but Alex doesn't know that yet. So when they say, we're here to help, you go, oh, they, they know he's innocent and they're trying to help him now because something or someone is targeting these people, but Alex doesn't know that, so he's running. And then you, it's almost like bittersweet. You're like, oh, Alex, you're an idiot. If you just turn around, they're not trying to arrest you. <laughs> they they want to help now. Do something in between. Because the, yeah, the way it like, is, it's just not addressed. <laughs> maybe it turns out that she... You don't even need to... Because security camera, you'd be like, didn't that blow up? Maybe it turns out she never, she never hung up the phone to the police. So they've got a recording and hear... Sure. That it wasn't Alex. I mean, sure. it's a bit far fetched, but you know, yeah, I think a scene, a like scene she's, where she's they got get a, that she's, she's got a webcam, something. You know, we saw a computer in that scene. Stick a webcam on top yeah. of it. I don't know. I mean, I don't know how prominent webcams were in that in that time period, but like, just something, anything, just to have the police examine something from the scene. Uh, uh, you know, and, and like, and figure it out. Or the FBI, sorry, just anything that doesn't just leave it open. It's such a problem that this film doesn't address one of its biggest um, sort of escalations and sources of tension and drama. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's been a whole movie, two-thirds of a movie building that up and then do nothing with it. That's why the ending is so broken. I wouldn't even mind the... Honestly, if they'd have addressed that, I think I would have felt like at least they covered everything. It's not a great explanation that you just... Death skips you (laughs) if you get saved again. Not great, but fine, right? Like, what else are you going to come up with? It's going to be weird voodoo nonsense anyway, in it, right? At the end of the day, because it's mm. a supernatural plot. So you're going to come up with some bullshit to get them out of it? Fine. But you can't <laughs> not address the other plot. If they covered that, I'd be like, okay. It's not a perfect ending, but at least it functions on a basic level. Yeah, so, yeah. no, that's fair. Yeah, but any final thoughts on the film itself, Chris, before we move on to Triff? Um, no, I think we've covered it. So I'm just thinking about that because I, because I suppose the... I was thinking... The reason I was silent then is because I was kind of almost... I don't, I don't want to give a counter-argument that I don't agree with, but do you think... Do you think there's an element of... But I was thinking, well, why didn't that bother me? And I think it didn't bother me 
because I didn't pay too much attention to that plot. <laughs> because, right. you know, I'm I'm expecting deaths and this slasher element. Um, but I completely agree with everything you're saying. But I wonder, I would love to know. I reckon, I certainly felt the ending was convoluted and didn't seem to work. And I yes. certainly felt the logic gaps. And I'm wondering whether... There are other people out there that felt that way, but not everyone made draw the dots of, oh, it's because this plot gets entirely dropped. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and I mean, that's be some not the only that reason, don't... but it's it's certainly no. a big part of it for me because it just yeah. it just feels and... very incoherent that the movie consistently keeps that plot going throughout. Because you could have just gone, oh, they questioned him right up top because he said a plane was going to explode, and then it did. But then you don't need to carry that plot on if you don't want. No, no it's but you need a it, reason. I think you know, but you need a. I'd I'd rather your fix of they then discover evidence that proves he's innocent. Sure, oh yeah, that is better. Him slowly decomposing because of the pressure of being on the run and da 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 da. Yeah, yeah, yeah agreed. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. So I don't know. I just yeah, it's. It, I I don't think that's like the be all end all of why the ending of the movie doesn't work. I also think that, like I said, I think the actual explanation is a bit weak of how they're getting out of this. Um, and then it's a double bluff anyway, so that's a bit clunky. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, him going into hiding, but then it's going after her because he forgot that he moved. He thought he was next, but it's actually her. Is okay. I don't mind that reveal, but it's not ex- that. That's not explained very well. <laughs> I don't. Think. No, none of it is. None of it is. No. Uh, but no, I think. I think. But I think it. Um, for what it's trying to do, I think it's. Uh, I think it's entertaining. It. It like you say, elements of it didn't hold up as much as I thought they would because I maybe associate them with the sequels and thought it was in here. But in mm-hmm. other respects, I think they they did a really... It, it for the first two acts, is a better script than I remembered it being. Um, and mm-hmm. I like... I, I It doesn't feel... Here's the thing. Here's, here's, I think, a strength of the film. It doesn't feel at any point, even at the end, it doesn't feel that they weren't trying do you know what I mean? It feels like they really were trying yes. to make something good, yeah. um, strong. And mm-hmm. I, yeah, I, I really enjoyed the rewatch. And I'd, I'd sit down and watch the, watch the others. You know, um, I did. We did watch the second one the next day. Um, so I think it, for what it is, it, it, it really does function. Yeah, I think I, I would say on the whole, with third act not included, I do think it's a really solid film. I know I've complained a lot and I've specifically about the third act because obviously that's when it when it when I've come to analysing it, which is the nature of this podcast, you you know, it's it's much more fun sometimes to talk about what doesn't work than what does, because what does is like that was good and you don't really have a lot you don't necessarily wanna explain why something you think something is good it just is right like you know you know um, i will compliment as much of the film as i can because i I do think it's very well put together on the whole i just think from a script perspective they didn't know where they were going with that ending so didn't stick with the compliments i think the characters are solid i think the deaths mostly are really good and solid um it's clear they did think a lot of it through they, they they did do a very good job of building tension both in the deaths and in the b plot about him you know looking very guilty um all the different ways they explored grief and survivor's guilt the time they take to set up the movie is incredible they, they the whole first act is like i think it's like 30 minutes into the damn movie before the funeral even you know like the movie really does take its time to get to the, its premise. Yeah, here we go. So uh, 30 minutes in and we're at the funeral. So the fir- there you go. 32 minutes. I can see the um, that water 
thing for the toilet leaking that clear that liquid that blue liquid so we don't even get to what you associate the movie with till a third of the way in it's an hour and a half long movie and, yeah, and, and yet you thing. don't mind because the setup is pretty solidly done. It's slow, and but it takes your time to do it right. You know, uh, uh, credit to the writers here for, uh, and the filmmakers here for not doing what I think would have been done with a lazier movie. You know, just just rush through it really badly to get to the deaths. But it's also done because obviously the other the other big thing the series is associated with are big set pieces at the beginning where lots of people Correct. die, and that's that's done really well for yeah. you know fundamentally a plane exploding. It, it, you know the yes. nuances of that and stuff and the the way that builds is also really good i think yeah. you, I mean, it is it is, think... it is the shortest of the franchise it seems according to the trivia it's like two two minutes two and a half minutes long um and the yeah but i don't think a lot of people think i think there's one set at like a race course which i think people consider the worst of them um i think this one is kind of oh it's good quite... oh it's it's real it's really yeah. good it's short but, but very very effective you know the, 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 the it may not be the longest but it's certainly um very spectacular to see and it, they do it on a reasonably low budget from the from the looks of it but they they get away with it it's pretty good mm. so yeah what uh what trivia got daniel mm, trivia 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 this is a song I sing while I pull up the trivia because I accidentally pulling up the trivia because I accidentally closed the document to pull up the film earlier to check something. Here we go. <laughs> He's getting the triv ready. C- covered it really smoothly. No one noticed I wasn't ready. <laughs> so I think we planned this bit. <laughs> No one will know the difference. Um, so the story of this film was originally actually a concept for an abandoned X Files episode. Um, and that was mildly based on a 1984 film called Soul Survivor. Um, I don't know a lot more about Soul Survivor, but it, yeah, it fits. I could see this being an X Files movie. That kind of also explains the inclusion of the FBI. Um, you True. Know, and the, the, that idea, maybe the idea in the X Files version of this episode was there was a series of deaths happening that Mulder and Scully were starting to think was a was this kid's fault, and actually, but actually he was claiming you know this death pattern thing, and then at the end you know, something really overt would happen that would prove it and Scully would still be like, I'm sceptical. You know, <laughs> typical X-Files fair. <laughs> um, so, uh, Kerr Smith and Sean William Scott took motion sickness pills before um, the uh, plane crash scene. Um, uh, so they were half asleep in the scenes, basically. Um, which yeah. was not intentional and it's certainly why they don't get any close-ups. <laughs> Wow, because they go see that they had. They, I guess it wasn't a real plan. I guess it was a rig, right? So it was a rig that moved around, to, you know, to create the yeah. turbulence and things falling out and exploding and stuff. And they took motion sickness pills, so they wouldn't get motion sickness. But it actually made them really sleepy, which made made, made them not at all shootable. <laughs> which is why there aren't any reaction shots of either of those two um, in that sequence. <laughs> so there you go. It's um, amazing. Much of the news. This this blew my mind. This fucking blew my mind, Chris. <laughs> So much of the news footage shown is footage from news reports of an actual plane explosion. Uh, TWA Flight 800. God. TWA Flight 800, which um, flew out of Long Island, New York also, um, and is loosely what this film is based on. So not only does the film borrow footage from the news of that crash, it also borrows um, some of the ideas from it. Like that flight was actually carrying a school of uh, high school French club. Um, and when it exploded suddenly, um, they, they, it was investigated as being a deliberate act, but was later deemed an accident. Um, 
They, they... Well, that's, that seems a little insensitive to the victims' families. Well, this is what I'm getting to. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and, and it I will, was. I will that... say. Go on. No, go on. no, you go first. Well, I was just going to add that, like, the, 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 it, you know, that crash was also determined to be an explosion in the, uh, you know, in the central fuel tank, which is, I think, the explanation they end up giving for the crash in this movie. So, uh, yeah, I think basing it on that and um, and having actual news footage from that event is is more than a little inappropriate. <laughs> To be honest with you, yeah, completely. <laughs> it is. It is. As a few, I saw this on. Um, I think there's like a marathon watching video of some guys watched all of them and stuff, and they made this point. Um, it. It. You like so many films. <laughs> you know. You know from the airport scene whether it's before or after nine eleven, don't you? <laughs> Do you not think? Sorry, the line, the line broke up then. I missed you. Sorry. <laughs> oh, I said, I said b- before, I thought you were like, I thought like you took offense to what I said or something. I said, you can tell, you can, like so many films, you can tell from the airport scene, whether it's before or after 9-11. Like they get booted off and then they're just hanging out in the airport still. They're not questioned. Well, they're not talked about. That the is... aeroplane, <laughs> the aeroplane goes in the air with no form of safety des- des- you know, description, although you can argue that's because it's, you know, his flash forward sort of thing and maybe we just don't see that, whatever. Um, but yeah, the airport security is lax. Yeah, it's, that's in the trivia, actually. This film was released before, before September the 11th. If the film had been released, um, or if the timeline of the film was set after, um, the flight would have just actually never departed. Um, if someone gets yeah, up with exactly. the plane and yells that it's a bomb, it wouldn't have departed at all. That is... You know, everyone would have gotten off that plane. No one would have uh, would have would have died um, for sure. Yeah, yeah, it's a hundred percent exactly right. It's funny because it does it does sort of accidentally date itself that way. It does, not that the writers would have known that, but yeah, <laughs> no, and it's not the it's not the only film where that happens either. But yeah, no, no, yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. Apparently, the scene where the teacher has a conversation with the co-pilot trying to get her, you know, the teachers back on the plane was entirely improvised. Shrug. Yeah, it's, it's a good scene. Fine, good yeah. work. Good work. But, you to, know, to the actors. Why? Yeah, why? Why wasn't <laughs> why? that scene written? Yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> that's a good point. Um, maybe on the day they went, maybe we should have a scene where she tries to get back on the plane, quickly have a conversation, and then it just worked out. I don't know. Yeah, it's a good scene. I no, no problem with that scene. Um, apparently, the original casting choices for Alex and Claire were Toby Maguire and Kirsten Dunst, who would oh, then wow. later go on to star together um, in. You know the, Sp- the Spider-Man movies. Um, mm. The uh, there are numerous appearances of the number. Well, actually, let me just very quickly clarify because I'm not going to cover it in the trivia. Yes, this movie foreshadows all the deaths in crazy ways. There's loads of it. Um, the lady, mm. the teacher, gets stabbed with a knife. The her door has a um, uh, a knife or a dagger like in it in colored glass. Um, the the girl that gets hit by a bus in the airport when she's framed in one of the shots with a giant bus poster right up next to her head. Um, when um, Sean William Scott looks out the window to see the plane taking off, it, the the image of the plane cuts right through and across his neck, you know, indicating his decapitation later. The movie's got tons of them. So many, I'm really not going to list them yeah, here. The, 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 look them up. There's tons. It's very clever. It's a, it's a it's another thumbs up for the movie from me that they did all that and that it went to the effort to create so many good visual hints at what, how these people might die. I'm on board. It's all spooky and weird, but it's just not 
gonna copy the trivia because there's just too much of it there's there's that many of them that you could genuinely do a whole hour-long talk on just them that's just a couple of them that i remember but yeah i just wanted to clarify so nobody in the comments is like he didn't talk about all the foreshadowing i know there's tons so much foreshadowing. It's, it's very it's really good yeah i'm on board with it i just i couldn't possibly list it all here if you want to have a look online for all the different foreshadowings you should they're very clever um well, some of them are clever, some of them are just like... I mean, putting the knife literally behind her is a bit... <laughs> I guess that's a bit on the nose, but it's not as subtle as I'm giving it credit for. <laughs> Either way. Um, so the numerous appearances of the number 180 throughout the film, obviously, um, hint at the movie's original title, which was Flight 180, um, and also the number of the actual flight in the movie. Um, New Line actually decided to rename the film to Final Destination through fear of confusion over other... Um, uh, films like Air Force One and Con Air, uh, which I guess came out around the same time. I, better, didn't, I didn't think so, but that's what it says in the trivia. Uh, better, uh, great, great cool though, in terms of future proofing it to have sequels, Final Destination is a much better title. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. I, and it's worth noting, actually, I, this, James Wong, who directed this movie, and I think maybe wrote it, he has, he has had an interesting career. He's really done some varied stuff like he did jet lee's the one which is a really great movie super cheesy but super fun kind of science fiction martial arts movie absolutely love jet lee's the one maybe it'll come up on here at some point but he also is responsible for dragon ball evolution the live action dragon ball movie that most dragon ball fans would rather forget (laughs) so (laughs) but he's also worked on like tv shows like he, he wrote episodes for american horror story which is like thumbs up but you know, he also made well. He also made Final Destination three, <laughs> which I do- oh. He also made the horrendous Black Christmas horror film from the mid two thousands, like two thousand five, two thousand six, which is just one of the worst movies I ever saw in a cinema. Chris, that movie contains somebody being stabbed to death by a um, candy cane that's been sharpened to a point. Oh wow, <laughs> that's, that's not that's it's not a, good. It's a bad movie. Anyway, um, sounds it. Yeah, it's not a good movie. Uh, the scene where Carter elbows Billy in the car was actually added in on the day of shooting uh, because Sean William Scott had got on a sore lip um, that had swollen up slightly. So to hide it, the makeup team added, um, you know, the the blood, uh, and the end result was Carter elbowing Billy. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> um, a lot of the characters in the movie are named after various producers, writers, and directors of famous horror films. Um, so Terry Cheney is named after Lon Cheney. Um, wait, no. Look, that can't be right. Terry Cheney is played by someone called Lon Cheney. Or is named after. Oh, sorry, no. Yeah. Um, wow, this is so confusingly written. Sorry, whoever's written this has made this very confusing. So Todd Wagner is named after director George Wagner. Alex Browning is named after director Todd Browning. Um, Larry Marnu is named after F.W. Marnu, who was the director of the very first Dracula film, Nosferatu. Um, Valerie Lawton uh, was named after a famous producer, uh, Val Lawton. Agent Shrek was after Max Shrek, who starred in Nosferatu. Um, Blake Dreyer is after uh, Carl Theodore Dreyer, who directed Vampire in 1932. And then um, ha- Howard Siegel is named after Don Siegel, who directed Dirty Harry. 
um, which I don't really consider a horror film, but there you go. And then, of course, the final one, the main, uh, you know, the, the the most noticeable one, I think, to the to the un, you know to the uninitiated, Billy Hitchcock, um, who is obviously that's obviously an homage to Alfred Hitchcock. I thought that was kind of interesting that they bothered to do that. So there you go. Yeah, that's nice. Nice touch. Yeah. In the film, Todd's name is spelt with just one D instead of the traditional spelling. The reason for this is that in German, Todd, T-O-D, means death. Yeah, there you go. Uh, the plane was built on a big gimbal thing to make it shake. Uh, the plane was then later torn down, and they that's where they built the top floor set for Clara's uh, house, which she runs through and gets destroyed during the storm sequence. They were cool. both shot in the same place. Uh, the We've talked about that one. Um, the original plan, as I've mentioned, was for death to be a much more obvious entity in the film as it was in Todd's death, seeing the shadow in the mirror and the water running back, you know, sort of covering its tracks. Uh, after Todd's death, it was decided to have the deaths simply as accidents. I would say they failed with some of those uh, mm. things that happen in the final act of the movie, um, where death gets a bit impatient at being subtle <laughs> and starts just trying to kill them. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. that is kind of the interpretation I suppose of that is like death just got bored doing it subtly <laughs> he was like fuck this um, and finally Chris a return of everyone's favourite segment everyone's oh. favourite segment cars it's, exist cars exist uh, Carter's Boom. car is a 1971 Chevrolet Nova SS Can you, why thank you everyone you're welcome cars exist <laughs> There you go. There you go. So there you go. So I, I, yeah, I think on the but, whole, good film. Um, I, I I know we moaned about it a lot, and I know I ranted and raved a lot about like how how problematic uh, story wise the third act is. But I do genuinely think, like on the whole, that it's I had a positive. It's yeah. It, I think this is a this is a I had a positive time with this film. I think it's good. I don't just this isn't relevant and is a weird place to do this, but I uh, when I was picturing the car, I pictured that scene where he nearly runs over Sean William Scott's character on the bike. And just randomly, every character involved happens to be in that location at that time. <laughs> yeah, that seems weird. That is a... Yeah. And like, surely you could have written this in some way that doesn't feel so coincidental. Yeah. Although I guess that links to design and all that stuff, maybe. Um, yeah, I think I'd recommend this movie. I think it's... Uh, oh, yeah, we didn't do... We didn't do our normal, do we recommend, do we not recommend? Yeah, I, I recommend I it, too. Bit, I don't think it's perfect, as I've mentioned, but like, I, I think it's a good film. Yeah, did we do that after the trip? We do that after the trip anyway, don't we? No, so we, we changed it to doing it at the front because that way we could say to people, watch it, don't spoil it. Ah, right, okay. Yeah, I would say, look at the look at a poster. The movie you think you're getting is the <laughs> movie you're going to get. If that appeals, give it a watch. I think it's, I, yeah, I... I think it's uh, I think it's worth worth watching and I think my memory is... The other films don't go downhill as much as say Saw. So yeah, a horror mo- a horror franchise with a mythology. I'm down for that. So yeah, I'd recommend. Yeah, I I would agree. I I think it's definitely worth your time. I mean, I think if you're into these sort of like teen horror movies, the ones that are a little bit softer, um, don't lean so hard into the horror elements and the gore and stuff. Um, this is one of the better ones from that era. I think. Mm. Um, my memory is that the faculty is better, but. You never know, do you? I've not seen that movie since I was a teenager. It might not hold up. We'll do it at some point. It's it's on my list. Yeah, my memory of the girl next door was that it was a good rom com. So yeah, yeah. So you know, I I might be wrong, but I I think I remember the faculty being a lot of fun. Um, so we'll watch that at some point. It's not. I don't think this series is worth knowing. We maybe we'll cover it next year. Uh, not next year. Later. What this we year. 
Question is, though, Dan, what are we watching next week? Well, uh, to save you the trouble of having to pretend you don't already know, Chris, I will briefly oh, explain. Okay. I was going to commit to that. I was going to commit to that. <laughs> so uh, we've had to, uh, we're recording two very close together, and we knew that Chris wouldn't have time to watch um, the movie between this recording and the next recording, which we're doing, you know, less than 24 hours from now. Although... Although it would have been fine because I haven't actually watched it. I'm going to watch it. Oh, dear. All right. Well, this we didn't need to do this. Anyway. Well, to give Chris the option to watch it earlier in preparation yes. yeah, and give yeah. him more options in terms of how he fits it into his life. Um, uh, I've already told him in advance, but you, the dear listener, do not yet know. So here we go. Um, I, I just, yeah, I just, you, maybe Chris will do what we, you're going to do. We'll just pretend and we'll get your, your pretend reaction to the movie. You can pretend okay, like cool. you don't yet know what it is. Um, so, yeah, we told Chris in advance. But, um, uh, yeah, so I was thinking about uh, my apology film, essentially, for Joe's apartment, because as I said to you at the time, much worse than even I knew what I was doing, um, and that was choosing a movie that I just categorically loved as a kid, um, didn't fully, I don't think, understand it, or why I liked it so much, or what was so good about it, but a movie that I'm utterly convinced holds up, I've, I do watch it every couple of years, sort of thing, um, it's one of my all-time favorite movies, like genuinely, since the day I saw it to now, it's been in somewhere in my sort of top five, top ten movies of all time, and it's never really left. Um, and that is The Truman Show. Yeah. Ooh, good <laughs> choice. That's what I would have done. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Believable. It's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, no, I think, uh, I, think it, I think it is a good choice. Yeah, I was, I was determined to pick something I thought you'd like. Um, I don't actually know if you've seen it before. <laughs> you probably have, I assume. Yeah, no, but uh, I, probably not as as much as um, uh, it's not top five or anything. But it is a it is it is a movie that I have seen and gone and rewatched it like more than once. I think I've seen Truman Show like four or five times. So yeah, no, it's uh, very much like you, um, uh, a movie that I very much enjoy, and also a movie I I come back to. And in fact, I think went back to I've gone back to within the last year, year and a bit. Like oh, really? I watched it. I yeah, I've watched it, and I'm pretty sure I've watched it in this house. Uh, and right. I know that's right because when I told Jess the choice. She went, you've watched that fairly recently, haven't you? And I went, yeah, I think we watched it together. And I don't think you enjoyed it that much. And she went, no, I have no reason to watch that with you. (laughs) So I know we've watched it recently enough for Jess to remember (laughs) being like, yeah, fine. Uh, So, yeah, no, uh, good choice. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty confident. And and also, like, I will say as well, like, it's it's interesting for me because I think it's one of the earliest films I saw and appreciated and i mean that in the truest mm. sense like i yeah, you know I when when you're a kid you watch some dumb shit and i think the truman show is a good example because the reason i think i watched the truman show is because i liked jim carrey from the likes of the mask and ace ventura and all that nonsense and didn't know what the, the truman show was like a legit film do you know what i mean i'm i'm really not explaining myself very well because obviously technically ace ventura is a film but like something with a real message and drama and heart to it yeah. and actual like character work and something with a bit more depth to maybe what I'd seen previously of, of, of more adult based movies. And yeah. I, so, you know, going, watching it, expecting something silly and I'm really, I'm, pl- I'm proud of young Dan 
for actually not being bored with that movie because I watched it when it pretty much when it came out, like as soon as it was available on VHS. I don't think I saw it in the cinema, but as soon as it was out on video, and I'm kind of proud that I I appreciated this and wasn't just like, why isn't the silly man being silly? Because I could absolutely see a kid being bitterly disappointed with this and wouldn't even and wouldn't have even disagreed with them, you know. Um, well, that is that Dan, you know. It's very nice, very poetic, you know, very, <laughs> you're giving yourself a lot of credit when fundamentally you and me were little geeky boys that <laughs> would have at some point thought, that would have at some point thought, oh, what if my entire life is like a TV show? <laughs> and that's why that movie appeals. But you know, you could, you could rewrite history as much as you want, my friend. <laughs> Go ahead. I genuinely thought it was a really brilliant film, and I don't know. You're right. I don't know what my what my reasoning was. I can't, you know, I can't put my brain back yeah. into the into you know young Dan's head. Like I can't have been. God, I can't the have been t- any older the than like, eleven or twelve. The TV of it all absolutely would have played a part for you and I. Yeah, that's a fair point. It's a fair point, but I still, I'm still very pleased that I didn't dismiss the movie out of hand as a kid because I mm. definitely, because as an adult, when you're going to a movie with expectations and the movie doesn't meet those expectations, you're disappointed, you know. And I, and I love that like young Dan was not at all like looking for a disappointment, but instead found something else to appreciate about the movie. And uh, whether it was the TV thing or whether it was that it's actually a really well made film, like the fact that young Dan didn't go, it's not what I wanted. Boo. <laughs> think is is i'm 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 happy about that because it is a great yeah film. yeah because it's as as funny as it is it is not the mask it's not ace ventura no, no. yeah so we'll talk about it more uh on the next podcast but yeah, yeah so the next show the next one's true show I, I recommend watching it between because i can tell you right now i'm going to be recommending it <laughs> so if you haven't seen it and you and you're going to listen to the next podcast I, I recommend you do that um in fact oh god i've forgotten we we have a new thing and i haven't even thought of an answer to the question Oh well, um, we're doing a new thing uh, for patrons, patrons only, called the Patrons Arbitrary Question of the Week. Um, if you're a patron, you can ask us a random question that's not related to anything, and maybe one that we're not equipped to answer, um, and we'll answer it at the end of the podcast. So this one is—it's just the most. Recent are we doing one that I across then? Are we doing that across nothing but static and rewind reviews? Um, um, I figured rewind reviews and Avatar because those are the patron. They, those ones both go up early on Patreon. Fine. Yeah, that was how I figured we'd do it. Also, nothing but static is too long as it is. Um, so this question comes from uh, Will Ten. Um, hey, Will. Thank you, thanks both for supporting. Been, yeah, thanks for being a patron and thanks for your question. Uh, there have been some other ones asked that I'll I'll, I'll work to. So if you've been asked a question that we haven't get to, but across this and uh, the Avatar podcast, we'll just keep going through these now. Um, so Will asks, if you could live inside any cereal box universe, which CBU would you live in? <laughs> so I thought, I, my initial thought was like, oh, the Cocoa Pops monkey seems like he'd be a, lot, it'd be a laugh, but I don't want to live in a jungle. <laughs> no. So that's no good, is it? Uh, Tony the Tiger, too sporty. I don't want to live in that world. He's 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 an active guy, and he, he he's, he's got you playing football and being healthy, and I don't want that. <laughs> so, um, I, I was trying to think of what other ones I could do. Like the the, the you know, uh, Lucky Charms. Uh, he he seems annoying. <laughs> that leprechaun. I, I find him quite irritating. <laughs> to be fair, I also a little bit find the Cocoa Pops monkey annoying. So maybe that's a bad idea for other reasons. Um, the Rice Krispie guys. They seem pretty mischievous. I don't feel like I'd. 
oh, maybe they'd annoy me, though. Maybe they'd be mischievous at me, not with me. Maybe I wouldn't be joining in on the fun. Maybe I'd be, like, the victim of pranks. <laughs> yeah, I think you would. I think you absolutely would. Um, yeah, I think that I think that'd come... They'd come after you. What was the big, the puffy monster, puffy crisps? What were they? Oh, called? the sugar, sugar puffs. Oh, maybe sugar that's what puffs, I'm thinking no. of to being active. Maybe the Tony the Tiger is not active. Maybe because I'm, I'm picturing the uh, sugar puff monster now in like a football kit. He's still a tiger, though, isn't he? What the sh- sugar monster? No, no, no. Tony the Tiger, I think, is still. You know, even if even if he's not particularly sporty, it's still dangerous to chill out in a tiger environment, isn't it? I guess he seems pretty friendly, though, as it goes. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, I proved to Nadia on our, one of our last holidays that um, I like to think of myself as somebody who'd be suited to being a sailor, um, even though I got immediately seasick when we went out on the boat, which disproved my point in about five minutes. <laughs> we barely left the harbour going, this is great, I could do this. <laughs> And then, like, minutes later, Nadia still to this day claims I threw up on a dolphin. I don't think I did, um, but I made yeah, myself I've, sick. I've, we, 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 I was I've, trying to see the dolphins, and I kept going back and forth across the stern of the ship. And while it was turning and me going back and forth between the two, that's what the motion that made me ill. And the reason... Oh, yeah, I've not explained. So I can't possibly uh, do Captain Crunch, even though I would love to be on a boat. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know why that surprised you, Dan. Like, I've had, like, half an hour car journeys where you felt rough. Like, <laughs> the, uh, the, notion, the notion that you're surprised that you couldn't handle a boat is bizarre to it's, me. What's, it's, it's, you know what it was? It's like, it was, it was like a few minutes in when I didn't yet feel sick. <laughs> it was where, <laughs> where I convinced myself the motion sickness wouldn't affect me on a boat somehow. Despite the fact I famously get motion sick in cars. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, um, I don't know. Oh, man, there's so many options, but none of them seem great to me. <laughs> no, well, I suppose Weetabix, but there's not really a character, is there? No, what's the world of Weetabix? Yeah. There was an advert for Weetabix in, like I think, the 90s, where they made the Weetabix look like a bunch of skinheads. Isn't there a Nesquik cereal? What's What's... What's that? Oh, it'd be, it'd be oh. that Nesquik rabbit, wouldn't it? If there is Nesquik cereal commercial, right? Hold on, right, we're just looking at Nesquik cereal commercial. Oh, there's a bunny. He's yeah. chilling out. He's having some fun. All right, there you go. Good choice. There's another one where he's fighting like a milk ghost, but you know that doesn't seem too dangerous. Oh, I've, I've the figured, milks. I figured out mine. I've just just out. The milk's gone. always chocolatey, and I do love a chocolate milkshake. <laughs> Hey, there you go. You found your perfect one. I'm going to go Nesquik. Nesquik cereal. Good work. Um, I'm going with Weetos. Because that's that scientist Weetos, guy, yeah. and he's in like a mad he's like a mad scientist in a lab doing weird shit, and I'd kind of like to see some weird experiments. There you go. Weetos. Also, nice. it's, it's one of the few it's one of the few cereal mascots that doesn't seem to live in the jungle. <laughs> or in the forest. Yeah. You know, there are a lot of animals in cereal mascots, aren't there? It's rabbits and tigers. <laughs> and, you know, the, even cornflakes is a, it's a fucking fucking rooster, isn't it? Like, <laughs> yeah, you know. Uh, and I don't want to live. I don't want to live in the Flintstones times and eat uh, fruity pebbles. So they're all very outdoor based. Oh, give me some indoor cereal mascots. <laughs> yeah, I think I think those are two solid choices. Yeah, there you go. So. Thank you very much, uh, Will10, for your question. If you'd like to answer, ask a question, head over to the Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash nothing but static. Give as little as 
pound uh, or dollar sorry a month um and if you're doing that you also get episodes a week early as well so you can hear us talk about the truman show right now if you'd like um so there you go and then obviously you know all the usual places youtube.com slash nothing but static uk um uh twitter uh, at nothing but static without the g we don't tweet at that very much but we you can email us if you like uh mail at nothing but static dot co dot uk um and i'm on i'm on in twitter at dan doolan and chris is on twitter at c billingham with two m's um at the end an extra m for luck <laughs> um yeah so that's everything i i, I yeah g- good good times excited to be doing this again very curious as to what chris is going to choose next so obviously we'll we'll find out at the end of the next episode but um this didn't this choice didn't surprise me too much but i've got a feeling you're gonna you curveball me with the next one well it didn't surprise you or did didn't completely no i figured we were gonna get to some sort of like these sort of teeny horror films at a certain point so i was kind of like it was just who was gonna make the who was gonna pull that trigger first you know oh, um, is that my challenge then to try and think of a curveball choice for that you don't know you don't have to i just i'm just kind of that's what i'm expecting true honestly though chris would would a non-curveball choice be the biggest curveball of all possibly i feel like i've had i feel like i've had some like i can't because obviously we did back to the future I can't remember the last time I chose an outright good film, so I might I might do that, but we'll see. Yeah. I will. We'll see if I can achieve both. We'll see if I can surprise, but also you've, pick you've, something good. You've managed to surprise me a couple of times in the past. I mean, I was quite surprised when you chose um, uh, the what's the Michael Caine one? My brain's died. Oh, the Italian job. Italian job. That that was a pleasant. That was a pleasant surprise. I wasn't expecting that. Uh, you know, Lady of the yeah, Tramp was a surprise. <laughs> to be honest with you. Um, yeah. That's so true. so you've 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 you're, you're capable of throwing them throwing them out there, and they were both good. So yeah. yeah. That's fair. So we'll we'll see you in a week's time, guys, when we talk about the Truman Show. But in the meantime, I'm going to pass over to Chris, who does the outro for this podcast. Yes. My name's Chris Billingham. I've been Dan. He's done it again too. We two times. Oh, fucking hell. My name's Dan Doolan. <laughs> Right, we'll go again. Oh, here we go. I've been... <clears throat> you ready? Yep. Absolutely going to nail it this time. <laughs> I've been Chris Billingham. I've been Dan Doolan. And this review has been rewound. Beautiful. Boom. Well, to be honest with you, Chris, it's my fault when you think about it. Because if you say yeah, you my name's Chris Billingham, I, I'm the one that's on autopilot, not listening properly and carefully enough to you to then adjust mine to my name's Dan Doolan. Yeah, because you've got two options there, Dan. The arguably easier <laughs> is just go say, with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But the just, thing is, I'm so in my habit. I'm so in the habit of... I've been Daniel, I've been Chris because that's what we do on the other podcast. But I, I'm not excusing it. I still think it's very arguably my fault. <laughs> but what I do enjoy is getting to blame you. <laughs> mm. Yeah, like there's a, there, I feel there's an easy fix. <laughs> <laughs> it's just to go with it. Well, we'll see what happens next week, won't we? <laughs> we'll see. Well, hopefully next week I'll just remember and do it right. <laughs> yeah, that would be nice. But <laughs> Cool. Bye. Catch you later. Bye.